name's Alexa Ace, and you're listening to Women and Music. Every other week, I chat with a different woman in the music industry, and this week's guest is Brooke Simpson. Brooke was a finalist on season 13 of The Voice on Miley Cyrus's team and finished in third place. But that doesn't even scratch the surface of our upcoming endeavors. We're talking big, big. I mean, Netflix and Broadway big. In this episode, I talked to Brooke about the process of being on The Voice, being an indigenous woman in music, and a little inside to her role on Broadway. Introducing the fabulous Brooke Simpson. Cool. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. Brooke, thank you so much for being here. I've been excited for this, honestly, for a couple of months. Tell me first. Oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) Who is Brooke Simpson? Brooke Simpson is an indigenous woman who loves to sing and probably is just too sensitive about everything. (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. Are you an empath? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I I feel like I'm super compassionate, but also I'm just a super sensitive person. And that kind of comes out in my music. Man, I mean, it sure does. Your voice is just incredible. So just getting straight into it, I wanted to bring Brooke on because Brooke is the prime example of someone who just doesn't stop going. Like you're about to hear about her endeavors and really just how you got your start in the music industry. Can we start there? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in music, how'd you get that first like passion, that first spark? Oh, growing up, my mom and dad, they're evangelists. So it's like, instead of being a pastor of a church, they travel and sing and preach at different churches. And then those churches like take up offerings for them. And that's how they live. So they've been doing that their whole lives. And I grew up in that, just constantly seeing them singing and traveling. So for me, that was just normal, just to every weekend or sometimes during the week, be temporarily homeschooled, hop in the van, go sing, and then come back home. So singing has just always been a part of my everyday life. I was nervous growing up just because I knew I didn't want to sing worship music and I wanted to sing songs that I was writing about heartache and heartbreak or about love or about me being frustrated or whatever it may be. And it was kind of a nerve wracking thing. I didn't want to break my mom's heart, but thankfully they've been supportive of me the entire time. Wow. That is awesome. So on the weekends, you literally would just basically tour already to go sing. It's like you were set up for it. Yes, exactly. Every weekend we were gone at a different church in a different state. And then even sometimes during the week and my mom would just temporarily homeschool me. It was crazy, but it was awesome. I wouldn't change it. So music has always been like the center of your core. That's so, that's so inspiring. So as a child growing up, did you watch audition based music shows? Oh, for sure. I owned the first season of American Idol on DVD. Hey. Like, <laughs> like the season when Kelly Clarkson won. Oh, oh hell yeah. I, I was obsessed Me with too. American Idol and all of those shows, especially like I grew up in North Carolina, but like in the boonies of North Carolina. So, uh. I mean, like looking at TV, that's kind of all you think there, like that's the only way there is to make it. You know, so the moment I saw that, I was like, okay, that's my ticket. That's my way to make something happen, you know? And you did. What was that first step? (laughs) Oh, girl, it started when I was in high school. I mean, yes, I started auditioning for American Idol or The Voice or any of these shows 
when I was in high school and every time I would go with a gimmick and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm full-blooded Native American. So I one year went as the Native girl singing country music. Like one time I tried to be like this hipster and I don't know, saying like a Beatles song and everything that's awesome, but not me. And I think I auditioned maybe... I can't remember either seven or eight times total and never got through the initial cattle call. It wasn't until I finally just said, okay, I'm over it. I just want to give it one last try and be myself. And that was when I auditioned for the voice and granted that was still in 2013 and I got through the initial call. But like after that, I didn't make it like it wasn't, I didn't hear back from them until like another four years later. Holy shit. I had no idea. I know. Okay. Also, I know. It's, it's crazy. Seven to eight times you auditioned. That is incredible. I mean, obviously I'm sorry to hear that, but at the same time you didn't give up and at the end. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And you, you kind of got what you manifested in some ways. Yeah, I definitely feel like I did. And especially like now when I hear different friends of mine, they'll tell me they'll audition for something or if they get frustrated when they don't. I'm like, listen, I did this like almost 10 times before it finally, you know, X marked the spot. So you can't give up. So I know. So you were saying that like you uh, tried these different personas going into auditions. Is that something that people do? Like, do you want to have a specific angle? I don't know if it's something that everyone thinks of, and maybe it's just because I'm a Gemini. Ah, me too. (laughs) Oh my Uh god! Okay, I get you on another level. Yes, yes. That's why I just automatically love you. Also, I feel like we we have to band together because the world always always talks so much crap about Gemini's. They sure don't do. They (laughs) they don't know. They just don't get it. But we do exactly. But I don't know if it's a Gemini thing. But I just kept telling myself, okay, so they probably don't want me to just sing like they want some type of entertainment or something. You know, I was Mm. trying to think of the bigger picture. So, you know, when I went for the native country singing thing, I like made a sign that said, Simon, let me be your native American idol. You know, like, (gasps) wait, you play for American idol. (gasps) Holy crap. Originally it was American idol, the voice girl. I tried out for everything. Like I almost tried out for America's got talent. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I was just, that was the only hustle I knew how to do because I mean, in North Carolina, I mean, not just North Carolina, but especially in the boonies where I live, mm-hmm. like it was just so small. It took an hour to get to a mall. I just wow. didn't know any other route. So I tried the country thing. I tried like the folk thing. I tried the super big vocal thing. I just, I was trying everything, but just doing what I felt. And I don't know if that's something that a lot of people do, but I don't know. I just overreact or overthink everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but those extra, extra details, I think are really what helps, you know, differentiate the good and the great. Oh, for sure. So what <laughs> advice do you have in terms of preparation for a film-based music audition for young girls listening, aspiring to one day follow your steps? First, I would probably say just know though that like you don't need because like I said I thought for so long that was my only shot Mm. and when I actually went to the show for the blind auditions you know we're there for months preparing for that one song for that one moment hoping that one chair will turn around and in that month I met so many artists 
that inspired me, who could sing circles around me and had been working harder and longer than I ever did. But instead of that intimidating me, it inspired me so much. Like I remember thinking, even if no chair turns, I feel like I have a whole new like enlightenment of like how I should chase my dreams. And I feel like I was just thinking so small and now I just see the bigger picture of everything. So I guess the first thing I would say is just know you you don't have to go to that show. You can do this on your own. It's harder and it takes longer, but I think it's worth it, especially hearing all those stories. But also, if you are going to do it, be you. I would have saved myself so much time and heartbreak and tears if I had just been myself. And for some reason, that was the scary as hell to do. But of like course. once I finally was myself, that was when they loved it. So just be yourself. Wow. And then also don't be afraid of saying no. Like, I mean, let's be honest. If you watch my blind audition, I look like I'm like the lead singer of a mariachi band and I'm not dressed how I normally would dress in real life. And it's because I was afraid of the word no. I thought I was going to be seen as a bitch or I don't know, like I was just going to be hard to work with. So because of that, I cried and cried over the fact that I hated the outfit that the world was going to meet me in. As small as that is, you know? Yeah. Like saying no doesn't mean you're hard to work with. That just means you have standards and you know who you are. Yeah. But dude, you got four chairs. Like you did it. You did it. You were (laughs) yourself. So that, I mean, thank you for saying that because I really do think, especially in the age of 2020, people get caught up on what you look like and on visuals and, you know, your outfit. And it literally does not matter until you behind the closed doors are sitting there practicing, 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 practicing. And then finally you you get out there. And since you practice so much, you're almost like doubting yourself. Like, like, what am I actually doing? Right. Right? And then you get up and you did it. You absolutely did it. Yeah, girl, I tried. (laughs) And you did, you fucking did. So did you (laughs) by any chance? Okay. So you were, you took four months, you said, to prep like for the blinds. How did you prep your social media? You know, social media, I don't think I even realized the power of it as an artist until I was on the show. And then working with their social media team is kind of like what made me realize like the power in social media. But even like as we were preparing for the blinds and stuff, I mean, I couldn't post anything about where I was, no location, no one could know I was in California it's completely sequestered. Like, I mean, you can't say anything whatsoever, but yeah, I don't know that social media was just kind of something that I figured out as I went, if I was Gen Z, Oh, I would have killed it. (laughs) Social media wise. Gen Z is killing it. They are social media. They are the internet. Yep. They're going to take over the world. Yep. I totally believe that too, (laughs) man. So that's really interesting that you think that like, you know, going into something such as the voice, I love how that wasn't your first thought, social media. It kind of sounds in some ways like you doubted yourself, but you always knew, like, even if that didn't work, you were going to continue in music. Did being being on The Voice help grow your knowledge on how to be a successful musician? For sure. I feel like The Voice and just the people I was around on the show prepared me so much and kind of helped me find or start the journey of like fully evolving into who I am as an artist Mm. because again I just grew up so sheltered and never stepping outside of just my southern comfort zone 
so like once that opportunity came, I met people that came from backgrounds and had had experiences that I had never seen before. So it not only helped me find myself as an artist, but also as a person, like I just being exposed to so much more of the world and seeing it so much bigger than just my world. It was just really, really crucial for me as a human being and as an artist. Like I feel like I learned so much more about just how I'm actually a visual creative. I didn't put two and two together until I was there. Or like, again, with the visuals, whether it's on the stage or what I'm wearing or what makeup I'm wearing. Yeah, it just taught me so much. I think the only thing that being on The Voice, I wish I had gotten more information about afterwards is what do you do when you're done? Yeah, You know, because it's kind of like you're on this ride where it's just, nonstop, like 18 hour days working. But then as soon as it's over, okay, we love you. Bye. And you have no idea how to go and do anything. So from the outside perspective, it kind of seems like once people are on the voice and get to, you know, the level that you are at, it seems like a whole bunch of record labels would just be surrounding you. Like, it seems like you're, I love how you're saying, you know, you don't really know where to go, but from an outside perspective, it's like, whoa, she was on The Voice. She did it. I bet that everyone wants her now. And granted, people clearly did, but how did you know, like, what direction to even take? Yeah, well, also with that, I think, like, it's easy for that to be your first thought, but also, like, if you're thinking realistically, it's like, I don't know what, they're on their 20th season now, mm-hmm. and American Idol's, like, on their 30-something, yeah. like, season. Record labels, it's not something that they're probably like, oh ah, anymore. I don't even know if they even watch it other than the label that's associated with the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because it's been around for so long, I don't know, it's just kind of background noise. And also, like, if you look at a lot of the artists, that are making it today, which no shade, I love them all. But like the vocals are the least important part, or at least from what I see on a lot of the new people coming up. Wow. Like it's less about the voice and more about the creativity or the aesthetic or whatever that may be, which makes me sad, but I get it because there's more to being an artist than just your vocals. So, yeah. Yeah. And and isn't it weird how kind of like millennials have changed that? How millennials are like, yeah, yeah like, hey, I'm an artist, yeah. but I can also be a brand. And yeah, it's wild. So again, from an outside perspective, let's say we're watching the show and let's say someone's voted off. How can we better support those musicians? How can like, do we, should we, an outside perspective, should we follow? Should we just follow the musicians? Should we make sure that we're keeping up with their pre-orders What's your recommendation on that? All of those things sound amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, if you loved that artist when they were on the show, I mean, just kind of like you would any other artist that you love, just keep up with them and follow them. I mean, streaming their music or even just following them on social media or liking their stuff or staying engaged with their stuff. I mean, that all helps tremendously. I know it's kind of scary, especially like, whether you win or don't win, because winning a show isn't always like the dream for people. Like actually majority of the people on my season, they were like, yeah, I'm here for the exposure and the experience, but I don't want to win. You know, just incredible. The, right. Like the fear of you're going to be shelved at the label just because you know what I mean? Which not that that's been done, but it's just that's a fear. So yeah, just follow them and support them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know that sounds so basic, but no, I mean, dude, just staying engaged like you would any of your other favorite artists. Yeah. Um, that's just it. to help their careers. And it's yeah. crazy too, because I feel like the viewership, like people become obsessed with the ones that they really like believe in. And that's why yeah. like, I, I do keep up. Like I love keeping up with those that were on a show, but literally just keep going. Something I've oh, yeah. noticed a lot about you and a lot about your music now is that you're really big about relationships. In fact, you're married, correct? Yes. Okay. Girl, awesome. six years. Oh, damn. Hell yeah. How's know, that going? So long. So good. I mean, it's not easy in no way, shape, or form. Like, I mean, nothing like as great as this is easy, but it's worth it. And he's my best friend, you know? At like, we literally, day. yeah, it's, you know, growing up in the South, we, it's, you know, get a ring by spring. And it's mm. so crazy. We talk about it all the time now. It's like, thank God that we got it right. Because we know so many people who got married as young as we did. And they realized, okay, we're just doing it because we're trying to rush and have the kids and all this stuff. And now they're miserable. Like, but thankfully one of us didn't grow without the other. Like we've mm. been growing and evolving together. Damn. You know, that's so awesome. I know. It is and, and that's how right, it sorry, should be. That's how it should be. So he yeah. also, you guys were married while you were on The Voice. I've yeah. always actually been wondering, like, your lyricism, does that reflect your marriage or does it reflect experiences that you've gone through outside of marriage? A little bit of, a little bit of everything. Like, I'm a super passive person. So sometimes if I'm frustrated and I don't know how to verbalize how I feel to the other person, I'll just start writing a song. Honestly, it's almost to the point where sometimes when I'm frustrated or any emotions happening, I almost get subconsciously excited because I know I'm about to write a bomb ass song. Mm, And how do you do that? Do you pick up your phone? I pick up my phone and either with no music or with music that maybe a producer's already sent me or even like just me sitting at a piano. I just sit there and I see what happens. Like, I mean, some of my songs, even though it may say baby, it's about me being frustrated in friendships or about me being brokenhearted in friendships that did not go the way I thought that they were going to go. Some of them are reflective of past relationships, like clinging to the wrong one. That's like a reflection of like something that happened years ago. Yeah. But then like even so tired part one and two, those are super real and vulnerable songs. Like part two, I actually wrote first and it's from the side of like empathy and me wanting to be there and take care of, Ray and cover him with my love. But then also part one, I wrote later when we had had an argument and I was frustrated and I didn't know how to say it out loud. So I said it in a song. That's so Gemini of you. That's so Gemini. Part one, part one and part two, but that's also life. I think that in relationships and especially relationships right now and in the music industry, pandemic. I think it's just important to remember that when you do fight with people, there's still that love at the end of the day. And you actually brought up the songs that I really wanted to talk about were the wrong ones and so tired. Because when I saw part one and part two, I was like, holy fuck, this is so cool. I I haven't really seen an (laughs) artist do that except for like a part one EP and a part two EP. So tell us a little bit more about when you're writing so tired. Oh, absolutely. So So Tired Part 2 actually came first, and we had no idea that it was going to be a Part 1, Part 2 situation. I was just in Nashville with some of my favorite writers I've ever met in my life, 
sitting in a living room eating Popeye's spicy chicken sandwiches and drinking beer. Yes. yes. <laughs> and right. I mean, the dream. And mm. then the South. one of the guys just grabs the guitar and starts playing this beautiful melody. I mean, and it's just so moving, so anointed. I'm almost like crying just listening to him playing. Mm. And the first thing that just comes to my mind is you must be so tired. And I mean, I got so emotional. I had to go to the bathroom. I was just sobbing. No lyrics even written yet, but just that and the guitar line. We wrote it and it was just this song that I wrote kind of like as a love letter to my husband, but also like, I can be your shelter. I can be whatever you need. You know, whenever you're frustrated, I can carry that. I'm strong enough. Mm. And that was the place that that song came from. And we thought that that was going to be it. It was going to be called a completely different title. And it was going to be on a, either a single or a possible EP. And then, yeah, months later, like maybe six months later, we are back home in California and we get in this big fight and it continues for like two days. And again, I'm not always great at verbalizing how I feel or expressing it without just convincing myself I feel dumb or whatever it is. So fuck those feelings. Right, exactly. I hate them. But then I just gotten a text from a producer that I was going to be working with. And he was like, tell me what you think of this. And as soon as he sent it, it's like, and it doesn't always happen when it's easy, but it's just, I was so riled up at the moment. I just started singing the words as I wrote them down. So then I go to the studio with him. I meet up with my friend Chloe, who actually won our season of The Voice, and she's featured on the song. And we're singing it and we're writing it. And I'm trying to be discreet because I don't want to like share, you know, all of our like business while also like working. But she said something so beautiful. And she looked down at her paper and she said, you're talking about all these reasons you're frustrated, but the center of it all is still love. And her Mm. saying that it's, Again, I broke into tears wow. and I was like, that's oh, such a beautiful way. Right. Like it's it's such a beautiful way to view it. It's like just because I'm frustrated doesn't mean I don't love you. Like, yeah. yeah. So that's how those songs came out. Super special. I love them so much. Yeah. And you said something about like not getting too emotional when you're in work, but were you in the studio with Chloe? Yeah. Okay. So that's what you're supposed to do though, right? Yeah, you are. I don't know. I guess sometimes it's hard for me to let my guard down. And I do think some of that might root back from like me growing up in church and being an evangelist daughter that sings all over the country. So I was kind of used to like, you need to be perfect. You need to look perfect. You need to act perfect. And I think that's just kind of a wall that I've been trying to slowly, and music has been helping me with situations like that, helping me to let that guard down that I've subconsciously build up in my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually also from the Midwest, so I can relate very yeah. much, very much Bible Belt Central. And, right. and, and you also, you, you, you don't want to disrespect anyone, but you still need to live your life. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So what do you find yourself writing about the most? Right now, I'm in a much different season. I mean, I feel like most of the time I'm writing when I have some type of like emotions build up that I need to let out. But at this moment, I'm in a season where I'm writing every single day and I may not always complete the song, but I'm so hungry to keep writing more. Um, And I've been trying, I know, but girl, it feels so, so good because I've been trying to write all quarantine and I couldn't write a damn thing. So Mm. now that I'm finally on a roll, I'm just so hungry and so excited about it. But all of the songs 
are more surrounding love right now and joy. And I think it's because even though quarantine and Corona and this entire 2020 mess has been so hard, I've just been growing through it. I'm at this point where it's just such a happy place. So that's where all of my songs are coming from right now, at least. Wow. From happiness and joy. I don't, I I, I really haven't heard that yet. So thank thank you. They don't always sell the best, but it it feels good. (laughs) I mean, fuck it. You need to write that. And also, I mean, I I always go back to like Pharrell Williams, Happy. Like that song, sorry, it's dorky as shit, but oh my God, I get up and I feel it. So No, exactly. I mean, we roll our eyes at it now, but no one can lie. When that song dropped, it was a bop and we all loved it. Yeah, it absolutely was. Something <laughs> I really, really want to get into is growing up as an indigenous female in the music industry. Can you, yes. can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. Being indigenous, I've always seen it as something that I was proud of. You know, like whenever someone would ask me, especially in the South, people would just be like, what are you? And I would tell them Native American, which a lot of times they didn't know indigenous people or even the fact that 100 percent indigenous people still existed, Wait, which sounds crazy. Have you actually I you've gotten that before? Yes. Girl, that's the majority of the time. What? Like, hold on. I'll it- tell them I'm indigenous and they just assume by me saying that. I mean, my great, 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 great grandmother is, and then I'm mixed with a bunch of other things, too. Mm-hmm. But then I'll tell them, no, both of my parents are from the same tribe. It's Halawasaponi. Yeah. Then they freak out because one, they don't realize that like that's still a thing, which is really sad. And then also they just automatically assume that that's not the case. How can we change that though? How can like the outside world help better recognize indigenous musicians? I do think right now we're in a season where indigenous people, I mean, it's slowly but surely, but I do feel like indigenous people are getting more recognition and their voices being heard more now because I mean, exactly. And I'm so grateful, especially like to other POCs, especially the black community. I just feel like for so long when it comes to indigenous issues, even though we were the first people here, this is our land that was looted. Yes, it is. We're forgotten. We're the last people to be thought about on the spectrum as far as like who matters. And it's really disheartening. But lately I've just felt so encouraged because there's been more conversation about it. I mean, but even what's happened with the Redskins. Yeah. And the Chiefs, did they get changed yet? I don't know if they've gotten changed officially yet, but I know the Redskins did. But I tweeted about that two years ago And people were telling me I'm being too sensitive and like the Vikings are a team and all of this other stuff, like using these examples and telling me how to feel about me being a mascot. How does that make you feel? Like I'm not a real person. Mm. Like you would never imagine like the Ohio Blacks or like the Washington Whites. Like that would never be a team. It wouldn't. Exactly. So, and then also like even SNL, they'll put, some bronze makeup and Native American fake regalia on people to do a skit on white people. And all I could think is like, they would never put them in like traditional, like Japanese outfits and like traditional face paint and stuff, or they would never like put on traditional African outfits and have them like with wigs on and stuff. So so why is it that we're the exception? We have to, we have to stop. Yeah. We have to stop. Also SNL, has to stop with a little bit of that racism, like straight, oh, yeah. straight up. Did you Absolutely. ever grow up going to like stomp dances by any chance? Like powwows? 
powwows. Yeah. So I yes. asked, I asked that because my grandmother actually studied the Uchi tribe. And from oh, being wow. from Oklahoma, I'm actually around indigenous people quite often. And so I was interested specifically with you, if you grew up like going to any powwows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our powwow, if anyone listening wants to go to the Halawasaponi powwow when we are COVID free, it's the third weekend in April in Hollister, North Carolina every year. But yeah, I grew up going to it every single year. I would dance in the powwow oh. as a little girl, like and dance and compete. I never was really good at, at the dancing, but I always wanted to it's do it. Community. I mean, right. My little sister, she, when she was eligible, I never did it. But when she was eligible, she ran for princess of our tribe. She got second place. What is I, I know it's so special. Sorry. What is eligible? Well, when you are in the 11th grade and you've been really involved in our tribe and stuff and know the process, you can run for princess of our tribe. And then the entire tribe votes. And whoever wins, wins. But like you set up a whole campaign, you go before the tribal council and, you know, give them a speech. Like, I mean, I was so proud of her. Everything she did and said represented us so well. I really, I'm going to be honest, she should have won, but everything happens for a reason. But yeah, it's super special. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I know because it's sometimes hard in this day and age talking about how we can better support each other, especially people of color. And that's something that I just really wanted to, I want to share. And again, I really want to reach more indigenous communities. Uh, Just Oh yeah, same. I want to see more indigenous faces on award shows. Like right now. Yes, award shows. Girl, I could be so wrong and there could be indigenous people that just don't publicize it. But as far as I know right now, the only indigenous person I see on award shows or on TV in general in this field is Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas, who's an incredible Mm. guy. But other than that, I want to see more female pop indigenous artists. Like I want to see more indigenous actresses and actors like getting nominated for stuff and winning at the Oscars. Like, you know, that's, I mean, I've been so tired before. I mean, no pun intended. I've gotten (laughs) just so tired and wanted to had moments of like thinking like, is this even worth it? Like, am I fighting for something that no one even cares about anymore? But I keep thinking about the indigenous little girl or even little boy who's looking up to me and I want them to know it's possible. So even if that means, exactly. Like, and if that means it's me doing it so they know it can be done, then so be it. Even if it feels like you're speaking and no one's listening, that you're still using your voice and you have no idea who that could inspire. So Exactly. Thank you so much for that. Brooke, oh, thank Brooke, you. what's next for you? Girl, <laughs> wait, do you watch the Wendy Williams show? No, I don't. Uh, okay, I was about to say Cronova. That's how she calls uh, I need. Okay, I need to know. Wendy Williams. It's, uh, girl, if you ever just want your spirits to be lifted, watch Wendy Williams. She's Taking the funniest notes. thing in the world to me. Oh, we, need, anyways, we need that. Um, we need that right now. Right. Whenever Cronova is over, (laughs) I will be debuting on Broadway, which is freaking crazy. I'll be debuting on Broadway on 1776 as Roger Sherman. And it's a revival of the musical that's being done by the Tony Award winning Diane Paulus. I'm so excited about that. And then also, I can't really like give too many details, but I am going to be a part of an animated series on a major streaming platform. So Ah. I'm excited about that too. (laughs) 
Yes, I, girl. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Holy shit. That is awesome. But can we go back to the fact that you're going to be a lead in a Broadway musical? Yes. What, what was that like? What, when you found that out, what was that process like? I didn't even, oh, I didn't even think it was real. I got an email <laughs> and I didn't think it was real. I sent it to Lexi. Literally me and Lexi had just started. Lexi, by the way, to whoever's listening, is my amazing, badass, beautiful manager. So we got hooked up. Um, <laughs> yes she's incredible but she she's the best but we had just started working together not too long before that and I got this email I was like this can't be real so I sent it to her I was like hey I think this is a joke whatever she calls me two seconds later she's like Brooke you need to answer this we're gonna <sighs> do this like even if you don't want to I promise you won't like hate the experience like da 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 encouraging me to do it I was like okay yeah let's do it and I'm so happy that we did because it wasn't fake it was very real wow. when did you get that yeah, news it's just Oh my gosh. Was it before? Oh my gosh. Was it before the pandemic? I, oh yeah, yeah. It was before the pandemic. I think okay. in December. December, yeah. I mean, it just feels like it's been something we've been doing forever, but it was December when I officially knew that I was going to be a part of it. So wow. that was so exciting. I've always wanted to do Broadway, but That's because I've never touched... Oh girl, it's huge. But I always thought to myself, okay, but I need to like get more experience first. Like there's no way I'll be able to do that now. Like... I need to keep, like, maybe Jennifer Hudson in it. Like, keep doing my singing, pop mm -hmm. stuff, maybe do some acting, and then they'll take me. Yeah. So this I saw, happening I saw is her so that humbling. Ooh. Uh, she, her voice. Unbelievable. I, she could literally move a mountain. Um, yeah. So can yours. So can Thank yours. You. <laughs> so you'll be playing Thank Roger you. Sherman? Yes. Who is Roger Sherman? Oh, Roger Sherman was one of the representatives when they were trying to steal this nation. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's just really interesting. It's crazy to, especially when we were doing like the virtual readings via Zoom and for us to be reading our parts and being in our characters, but hearing the resemblance to like the language used then and how it looks so similar to what we're going through in America now, you know, I mean, it just feels like not much has changed, or at least like the parallels are insane. And then to see that done by a lot of people that were kind of left out of the conversation then, whether it's people who identify as female, queer, or non-binary, you know, this cast is normally just a bunch of white old men. Yeah. And it's made up now of queer, non-binary, and female diverse <sighs> people. I know. And it, Your cast it's is? really special. Yes. Oh my yes. God, that is incredible. I mean, genuinely, I was wondering like, as an indigenous woman, how you were going to play this role and how else the cast was. So that's, I know what a, it, what a way to do so it. Powerful. I mean, before, you know, Corona came and ruined the day when we were all in the room together one time and, you know, singing one of the songs, I mean, we were all crying by the end of it. It was just so powerful. I'm so excited for the world to see what even I've only had a glimpse of. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I have one more question for you. And it yes. is it's something I ask on every show, but what is your gold moment? And that could be just the pinch me moment. I cannot believe this is happening. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I feel like I've had a lot of gold moments. I mean, the thing I mentioned to you a moment ago that I can't really talk about much now, but for the streaming platform, that was definitely one. 1776 was definitely one. Just getting on the show The Voice was one and it giving me an opportunity to move out here to LA was one girl wow I can narrow it down I have so much to be grateful for like I'm nowhere near 
where I want to be. But I mean, that's okay because I still have so much drive and ambition and I'm still pushing and stuff. But even with where I am, I'm just so grateful and so thankful for the opportunities I've been given, you know? Yeah. I mean, but also you weren't just given them. You worked very, very hard for them and you've been told no. And then here you are with even bigger experiences. Yes. Yeah. See, that's something else. I know we're way off of the question about what would you tell girls, (laughs) but just another reminder, the no's, at least like from what it may look like as you're striving, the no's are going to outweigh the yeses, but the yeses are going to be so worth it. Like, I feel like people look at us on TV or on social media and they're just seeing the highlight reels. So they just see the good parts and they just see the yeses. But like, you may see like the five yeses, but you don't see the 500 knows you know what I mean you don't see the low points you don't see the moments when your favorite artist wants to give up or I don't know and also comparison kills creativity I just social media is so good but also so hard I don't know girl I could go on that forever I mean obviously (laughs) same and especially in the music industry with TikTok, with Instagram. I mean, that's the whole yeah. nother round. But Brooke, thank you so much for being here today. Where can we find you? Uh, thank you so much for having me. And you can find me on any of my socials. Is Brooke Simpson official on Instagram, Facebook, and Brooke Simpson on Twitter. Yeah, or brooksimpsonmusic.com. Yeah. Just look Brooke, Brooke Simpson, Brooke Simpson. <laughs> she is what's yes. up. Well, I believe in you with my whole heart and I cannot wait. I mean, literally, I will like the second that pre-orders up for some 1876, I'm there. Oh, thank you so much. That concludes my interview with Brooke Simpson. You can find her on social media at Brooke Simpson Official and myself at Alexa A. Ace. Brooke is the shit. And thank you again for being a guest on Women and Music. So I got to talk freely a little bit about this past weekend because it was just epic and unexpected. But I photographed my first concert since December 2019. But it wasn't just any concert. It was the Flaming Lips. And we're in a pandemic. So what does lead singer Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips do as well as the rest of the band? Because they're just all incredible. And I'm very, very fucking grateful to know them and be mentored by them. But you guessed it, every member of the audience was in a clear plastic hamster ball, just as Wayne Coyne infamously does when he's at festivals or at shows, he will get in this hamster ball and kind of like crawl across the audience. So imagine being in a venue for the first time in over a year and every member of the audience is in one of these hamster balls. It was an experience for sure. Ultimately, it seemed like the audience was totally enjoying it. They had little signs that said, I have to pee or it's hot in here. And it's hot in here meant, hey, can you air me up? And they had these like leaf blowers that would air up the hamster balls as the concert was going. Man, it's just innovative and creative. And I'm so fucking grateful to be a part of it. So, or at least a little part of it. So thank you, Flaming Lips. Thank you, Scott Booker, Derek Brown, Nick Lay. It was so good to have the camera in my hands, as heavy as it is. I actually had two, one on my right arm, one on my left arm, just to make sure I could get every shot possible. And music photographers out there, wow. Shooting a clear photo with a hamster ball in your way that's getting condensation on it every other second. Woo! It was a challenge, but I wouldn't have traded it for the world because just feeling the bass through your body the first time, and you know, like I said, over a year is like, God, it's a music junkie's best fucking friend. 
Anyways, music will live on. The Flaming Lips had two fucking concerts this weekend during a pandemic, and it was safer than going to the grocery store. Everyone was in a hazmat suit that was working. If you had to go to the bathroom, you had to be escorted. You had to have your mask on. I mean, it was like one at a time. Get in your bubble. Let's be safe. Let's enjoy music. Yeah, that's what they did. The Flaming Lips fucking did that. <laughs> 